Hello and welcome to the Build with Clay podcast. I am your host, Clay Davis. This podcast is designed to introduce you to people from across the world who have one thing in common. They want to grow in their life and inspire others. You'll get a front row seat to hear about how they define their mindset and their purpose. We'll unearth their habits, their failures, and learnings throughout their journey. And this will allow you to take those habits, those failures, and those learnings and apply them to your personal growth journey, no matter where you're trying to build yourself and grow. This podcast is designed for you, so thank you for being here. Prepare to meet interesting people, hear fun stories, learn something new, and plan to leave inspired. Super excited to welcome Teresa Carrigal to the podcast today. Teresa and I met a couple of months ago. I've had very few conversations, but I am 100% certain that this is going to be a fun one and I'll get to learn a lot. And I know she's going to inspire a guest along the way. So Teresa, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm thrilled to be here with you today. And I'm thrilled to get to know you a little bit more. And we do this on this podcast by asking very silly get to know you questions. And one of Uh them, we'll start easy. If you could only whisper or only yell, what would you choose? Whisper. Why? Because I yell and speak loud all the time. And I find when I actually whisper to my kids, it works way better than when I yell so loudly. So I think whisper is brilliant and hard for me. You could probably go further in a professional setting if you only whispered. I think people could get used to that a little bit more than if you just yelled everywhere. Exactly. I love it. I love the whisper. If you could only have one dessert, one type of dessert for the rest of your life, what dessert would you choose? It would have everything chocolate in it. And my entire family, both boys, Drew, we all love chocolate and the chocolatiest chocolate you can imagine. Yeah, that's Cake, great. cookie, oh, pudding. probably what a cake or a cookie. Do I have to pick? Oh yeah, you got to be a, you got to oh, detail this out. All right, we're going to have to do a multi-layered chocolate cake with chocolate frosting that my little Sammy, who is nine who has growing to love to cook and bake made for everyone. And it had like the frostings in between. Yeah, that would be it. Oh, that sounds perfect. My seven-year-old has been super into yeah. baking and cooking and everything. So sure I we can swap some kid so recipes there. For them, and it's so healthy for them. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's really, really, really cool. This is the tough one. Uh-oh. Okay, I'm ready. Would you rather have 10-foot arms or 10-foot legs? I'd probably rather have 10 foot arms so I can, I love to hug everyone and I love to help people. And so if I can wrap my arms around lots more people and give them lots of hugs and help raise them up, that would be what I would want to do. What a great answer. That wasn't hard for you. No, that was easy. That was good. Thank you. (laughs) What a good answer. That's fantastic. Well, you, I know you're a type of person that loves to open doors for people. You Mm -hmm. like to show people opportunities, connect Mm -hmm. to others so that they can, who are pursuing similar opportunities Mm -hmm. or maybe don't realize that they're pursuing similar opportunities. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I'm very curious as we kind of get into your journey a little bit, I'm curious, where does that come from? Where does that desire come from? You know, I grew up, my, my father always told me I could do anything I wanted to do and never to depend on anyone. I had to depend on myself. So I'm sure that that plays a big role. My grandmother, she went to nursing school. She just passed away at a hundred and almost 104, but she went to nursing school at 42 and she, you know, was in the great depression and 
went to nursing school and graduated number two in her class next to the 18 year old. She had two kids already and she was, she was amazing and then way ahead of her time. And my mom, very similar. And so, and they always wanted to help others. So I think that it's deeply ingrained, you know, kind of left and right brain. You know, one is you could do anything and you can't depend on anybody but yourself. And second is how do you raise everybody up along the way? I already have my wheels turning because I, I know where your journey has led to you starting mm-hmm. your own company. And we're going to talk about what, where that journey got you there and what's, what's next and everything. But now mm-hmm. I can see why you did that and why you thought you had the ability or knew you had the ability mm-hmm. to go do that. It coming mm-hmm. from that, that childhood upbringing. That's really cool. I ask every guest these two questions and you're going to be no okay. different. Okay. There's a concept called a growth mindset. A hundred percent. And I'm curious how you would define a growth mindset. I define a growth mindset it probably not in the more traditional way that it has been defined because I think that there's this next era of the growth mindset that, you know, almost the way we just talked about the arms and expanding the arms around and over and lifting. It's almost like the growth mindset is building these ecosystems of communities and how you do that. And then how do you connect communities together? And like that's the DNA and take care of people along the way, especially in this AI world and all this distrust that's happening. You know, how do we have immense integrity and do this next wave of what's going to be needed? So it seems like the most simple definition for you would be one plus one equals three. You build, build. Yeah. One plus one equals a hundred, you know, one plus one plus one is 10 and 20 and 50. You know what I mean? And that, level of building is what we have to create. Maybe we should say growth mindset isn't at, you know, since my boys are in all this algebra and math, right? Is it's not even a plus anymore. It's a, it's an exponential, right? Or it's a times with the exponent, with the exponent. (laughs) This morning. Love that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Five to the 10 power, right? Exactly. What we're talking about. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, that's how you get scale and, uh, and growth in yourself and others and businesses and everything. And well, that's, that's perfect. And now possibly the harder question to answer that I ask everyone is how would you define your why or your purpose in your life? I mean, my why and my purpose is really threefold. The first is my family means more to me than anything in the whole wide world. I had my boys later in life. Um, you know, had some a miscarriage in between. So those two kids are just like everything. And I'm so proud of the young men they are, my husband. And so that's absolutely one, one, one. Um, number two is I, you know, I grew up a lot of times the only woman in the room, a lot of times having to earn the seat at the table where other people were maybe given the seat at the table. And so it's really, really important to me that I help lift others up. And it used to be about women but now it's about everybody, you know, how do we lift everybody up? Um, because everybody needs help in different ways and everybody needs education and leadership development and all of these things. And so, you know, that is really, really important to me, you know, and then my third is really about, um, it is about entrepreneurship and it is about business growth and it is about, you know, learning how to do this and, inspiring that in people who may not have privilege or may not have those opportunities and how do we help get them access to those opportunities. And, you know, in my next life after Achieve Unite, I really want to help 
maybe people without such privilege start their own businesses and build and develop. Um, there's, I don't know if you, if you know SCORE or the Small Business Administration, they're doing this incredible work across America in helping you know, small businesses achieve less than 1% of women-owned businesses ever make it past a million dollars. And, you know, obviously we've done that and are really growing and accelerating, but how do we help a lot of less fortunate people achieve those kinds of goals? And, and then some. Well, definitely a teaser for later in this podcast, we are going to talk about that because I want to, I want to understand where that drive comes from and what your, you know, what your vision is for something yeah. like that. I think that's, I think that's lovely because I bet it is fueling a lot of what you do today. It certainly does. You're absolutely right. And, you know, and, I, and this isn't necessarily the why, but I do believe partnering is the way of the future. And I do believe it's a muscle and a DNA that has to get developed in all of us. And, you know, I had lunch with a woman who's working with the UN and working on bringing partnerships to Africa and, you know, how we can create economies that are doing much more of these kinds of foundational work and alliances and partnerships. So mm. also good for good. Of course. Yeah, yeah. of course. You, you got my brain thinking. So I, uh, I, I talked to, I had a podcast with Kathy Failing, who is a dear friend of mine, uh, basically a second mom of mine. She was uh, a couple episodes ago and she had very similar comments about you know, being the only woman in the room. She's an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. So I mm -hmm. equate the two of you uh, similarly coming up in kind of a man's world. Mm -hmm. I, I'm curious, like, is there any, are there any good, bad, ugly, whatever, like stories that come to mind as you think about your growth? Cause we're, we're kind of at the point where we're going to start thinking about your, your journey through mm -hmm. your life and, and where you've come from. And I'm, that got me thinking about what story comes to mind with that. Oh, I have a couple of stories. One is I was in Japan. I was, I was just telling the story earlier today. And this is going back probably 16 years. And the partner, the president of the company had never had a woman executive come to their table. And it was so I got to be the first. And by the time we finished that meeting, you could tell that he had shifted. And it was just it was an amazing experience. And, and it was uncomfortable at the beginning, because he didn't know what to say. And I had to sit in a certain way and, you know, and somebody had to translate that's never happened before. And, and so that was really cool. Um, and then the second one is making sure that things, things be conscious of what translates and what doesn't. And I was giving a presentation in Latin America and I was in Mexico and I thought I was so funny, right? Because I had this funny talk and they're all listening and they were translating and I finished and they're like, your joke doesn't translate in Spanish. <laughs> oh my God, I'm silly. Of course it doesn't. So, you know, be careful of things that translate and don't translate and yep, uh, yep. be respectful of that. It, it's already difficult to go, especially into the Asian countries because they have such proper business mm -hmm. um, culture and the things that you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to present your business card, where you're supposed to sit by seniority mm -hmm. and all of that. And you add on to the fact that you were the only woman in there in a time when it's just, that wasn't, that wasn't, uh, the norm I'm sure was, was interesting to be sitting there. And it's so fascinating too, because across the Asia region, each country is so different mm -hmm. and what is acceptable and what's norm now and how things are done. Like you can never generalize. You know, and I learned that early on um, working with Sienna when I was the channel chief that you would start to generalize, you'd make a mistake. Right. Well, 
let's let's rewind a little bit. Okay. I'm curious. You brought up some family members. What did your family do? What did your parents do for a living? And how did that influence you and who you are today? Oh my goodness! Oh, I love that you're talking about that. Um, so my mom was. Well, let me start with my dad. So my dad was. First of all, we didn't grow up with much money. We moved a lot growing up. My dad was in sales, and he he was born in Spain. Moved to America when he was five. Didn't speak any English. So I think he had to reclass. They say reclass kindergarten. That's what AJ and Sammy say now. And so he then learned English and went on to play football in Greenwich, Connecticut. He was just an awesome guy. He was gone a lot. And he was, and then we, he got his job with Levi's jeans and he started to work with women executives. And so he would come home and tell me about these bosses that he had and these amazing experiences. And he would introduce me to these women and, as I got older and, um, and then he started to do well professionally. And I was, he was number one sales guy in the whole country for Levi's. And so, yeah, it was really neat how he developed his career. And then we didn't have much and we little by little had more, you know, as we moved and grew up. Um, and then my mom was really, she was teaching preschool. She had to restart her master's three times because we moved into three different States and they didn't take her degree but she ended up getting her master's in counseling and she did amazing work for Head Start and also for people without privilege. You know, she's really driven by that. Yeah, they're amazing. I love my parents. You're going to make me cry just talking about my mom and dad. So, okay, that's enough of that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the fact that you tied in your dad talking about women executives. And that's, you know, that's so much of the push today is just to make sure that people have the right seat at the table. And we, they're, there's a lot of different ways that we can go about doing that. And not everyone has it right. I don't think, but mm -hmm. it's the, it's the effort, right. P trying to put people in the right positions so that, you know, those, those, those moms and dads can go home and talk about who are their peers mm -hmm. because you have no idea what that means to mm -hmm. an eight year old, a 10 year old, mm -hmm. a 12 year old that's thinking about what they want to do. And it, that was probably our all noodling in the back of your mind Yeah, I bet as you're, you're thinking about what your career is going to be. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you're right. I, you know, it's true. Yeah. And a lot of good mentors too. I think that also helped a lot. Oh, it's huge mentorship. Mm -hmm. I would not be in the position I'm in today without the mentors that I've had. And I, mm -hmm. you, you know, Teresa's nodding her head along right now. And I, so I know that's the case for you too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then it's our role, you know, I remember Karen Slapford, who I often talk about as, you know, she kind of took me under her wing 15 years ago and And I said, well, what can I do for you? You know, how am I going to help you? And she's like, nothing. You just have to pay it forward. And, you know, the whole premise of Achieve Unite in a lot of what we do is about paying it forward. Yeah, oh, no doubt. Well, tell me about one of your first jobs. And I want to know how that influenced you. And some people go like, this is literally my first job. Yeah, are we going to talk about McDonald's? Babysitting? Or are we going to talk about after college jobs? You, it's, it, it is your call, however you want to take this question. Oh my God, that's hysterical. I love your questions. They're so fun. Uh, all right. Well, I'll, I'll just do my McDonald's one really quick. Um, I think I learned the value of hard work. You weren't allowed to stand around. Not allowed, not accepted. The harder you worked and the more performance you got to promote to drive through. And I was determined to get promoted to go work and drive through. And then number three was the more smiles and pleasantries and way you treat people, the way you get back treated. And so I learned that at McDonald's too. And, how yeah, many years did you, or how long did you work there? I think I only worked at McDonald's a couple, maybe a year and a half or two years, but it was a great foundation. 
and look, this is another weird tie-in because Kathy, who I just mentioned four yeah. minutes ago, also her first job was at McDonald's. <laughs> I like Kathy. You got to introduce me to Kathy. That's yes. great. <laughs> yeah. Then I remember being a bank teller and the same thing, like these people would come in and they weren't happy. They'd have bad days and they'd wait in line to talk to me. And hopefully I made their day better, you know? And I like, I found great joy in that, you know? You know, my manager, Dale, would be like, what are you doing talking to everybody? But, you know, it was, it was quite rewarding. And that was in high school. That makes me smile because I, I think about the, the times when I go, whatever, to a drive-through, to the bank, mm-hmm. to some place where it's that minimal, the grocery store, and you're supposed to have mm-hmm. that. It's almost now no interaction. It's almost like it's yeah. very transactional yeah, right, it's very for, transactional. for most. And just slowing down a little bit mm-hmm. just for... 10 seconds, 15 seconds to just acknowledge the other human being that you're interacting mm-hmm. with in that moment could mm-hmm. either make your day or their day or oh. best of both worlds. And, yeah. but it, That's it just real. takes that conscious effort and I, I'm trying to be better about it that you're interacting with another human. Sure. They're supposed to be providing a specific service mm-hmm. to you, but it's amazing how much of a smile you can have on your face after just wow. pausing asking a deliberate question and seeing how, you know, see how their day is going, see what's going mm-hmm. on in their life. A very uplifting, worthwhile 15 seconds, 20 seconds of your life. Yeah. And humans are born to connect, right? We are, that is our society. That is what humans are made to do is the the connection. So we hit the rewind button. Now I'm going to hit the fast forward button a little bit and feel free to fill in gaps along the way. But yeah. I, I know that there's a lot to talk about as you have grown through your career through the IT channel and other you know other other areas and you've had a lot of different work experiences as individual contributor as a executive chief channel officer and then you went off and started your own thing mm-hmm. so what drove you to go leave what was yeah. a you know promising career and everything you had everything mm-hmm. going for you and then you're like you know what I'm going to I'm going to go start my own thing. Yeah. I mean, a couple of things. One was I was the channel chief at Extreme and a couple of things had happened and, you know, I wasn't philosophically in agreement on some things. And then I also had had a baby boy who had some health challenges. He's super healthy and great now. And I ran, you know, when you run channels and partnerships and alliances, you own sales and you have to be out and about, you know, and I was starting to have trouble doing that and traveling not so much domestically. I had trouble going internationally because it was, I'd be, have to be gone too long and, it, and I wasn't able to take the kids anymore. And that became, it was really, really eating at me. And it was, mm-hmm. I, I just, I just couldn't do it. And, um, Jeff White, who, you know, is no longer here, but, um, he passed away later, but Jeff White said, like, I'm going to need you to travel 70% of the time. He and the CEO wanted me on the road. And I remember being in Portugal and I didn't know what I was going to do after this, but I looked at him and we're sitting at the table and I said, you know, if I was in my thirties, I would have been your gal. And I'm not your gal. And it was like this huge load was lifted off of me <laughs> because I just couldn't do it anymore, you know? And so they were amazing and we worked out this amazing exit, you know, it was just, they were awesome. And Norman Rice, who was still at Extreme, is just an awesome guy. And, 
you know, they helped me make the, the decision and do what I needed to do. And then I just by accident started consulting and people started calling to see if I could help. And, you know, lo and behold, I'm helping uh, several people and companies. And so I did that for about a year. But then I can remember the day I went from, okay, I'm a consultant to I am an entrepreneur. If boys can build companies, I can build a company. And there was a 100% mental shift that happened and then became kind of Achieve Unite was born. And, you know, that was operating under an LLC for a period of time. And then in 2018, you know, we formally formed the C Corporation and Achieve Unite Inc. was born and the rest is history. There's two very big life moments in that story you just told. Okay. I want to attempt to unpack those two life okay. moments. Okay. I bit. love, I love this. This is fabulous. I don't know what they are, but tell me what you think they <laughs> so are. So the first life moment was when you actually verbalized that mm -hmm. I'm not your gal. You were sitting in Portugal yeah, with your boss and I'm not mm -hmm. your gal. Now, mm -hmm. if you can think back to the months leading up to that, you mm -hmm. were probably that weight was on you and- mm -hmm. You, you felt that something wasn't right and it wasn't, this wasn't good for long-term, mm -hmm. but you were probably sitting in front of your boss many times during those months and you never said anything. Mm -hmm. How did you go about, because I know that there's listeners out there, there's people out there that are, that are weighed down with something in their life. Mm -hmm. How did you, what did you do to bring, have the courage to actually mm -hmm. verbalize and recognize that I need to do this mm -hmm. for myself, my family, whatever it is like, think. It's it's hard to do because I know this was seven, eight years ago, probably mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. But what goes through your mind as you think back to that? I mean, it's a great question. You're 100% right in your observation. I, I, w I was talking to my mentors. You know, I was definitely having conversations. And I can remember saying out loud, I'm on borrowed time. You know, and I can remember once I started saying, I'm on borrowed time. I knew I couldn't do this for much longer, you know? And when you actually say that out loud to kind of like, I'm not your gal, but that was the leading up moment to, and, and my mentors really helped me sort it. And then there's a fear thing, like fear of what if I don't find another job? What if I don't, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, like the what ifs are paralyzing sometimes. And, you know, one person in particular really helped me like, okay, what is the worst thing that could happen? Okay, is that really going to happen? You know, like going through that process of the what ifs to put them back in check. Because um, what ifs still creep up on me, you know, the the what if scenario thing. And so, so that, that person, that person basically challenged kind of, you to say, yeah, right. okay, your, exactly. your worst case scenario is that you don't get, you know, you don't find you a job, job for right. four years. right. 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 And and, okay. Well, what, if, well, what if that happened? What would you do? Right. And, you, and you start thinking about, well, actually I would probably do this and this yeah. and you kind of like logic your way through it. It's probably logic your way through it, you know? And, and that is, and then, yeah. And so that was, I think that was a lot of that moment. And I do think it was mentors. I do think my mom is a really great sounding word. Both my parents are really great advisors and Drew was really supportive. You know, my husband who, you know, he was like, if you don't want to do it and you can't do it, then don't do it. You know, it's, it's cause it's wearing on our whole family. And mm -hmm. he was really supportive too, which helped. It takes a lot, especially for someone, uh, you and I are probably built similarly where we just, we, we want to, we want to full, when we say we're going to do something, we're going to fully commit. We want to do the job to the best mm -hmm. of our ability. And 
uh, we don't want to let anyone down. Right. And in those moments, we feel like we're letting someone down, even though we're probably doing, we're doing the best thing for us and for our family. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a selfish thing. Right. And it can be very hard to distance yourself from that to say, you know what, like, I, I really can't keep doing right. this because it's going to be a disservice, right. not only to me, but to the company. If I keep working at, you know, working in this way and that's uh, uh, that's a big moment, mm-hmm. big life moment right, right there to, mm-hmm. to get through. And yeah, that's what you're, boy, you do have a knack for this. I'm quite <laughs> impressed with how you do this. You uh, so, the, go to school for therapy or coaching or counseling or something? Well, I just, I know that there, and I've been in that situation, a similar situation as well. And I, I recall similar reasons why I was finally able to verbalize the mm-hmm. thing I needed to verbalize. It was because I had verbalized it to my mentors or right. a friend or family mm-hmm. member and had those, you know, those go-to people in your life. It could just be mm-hmm. one person. It could be a therapist. It could be whoever that yeah. you need a mentor, but actually verbalizing, talking it out. It's amazing what can come of it, especially if they're a truly a good sounding board and challenging you. Like it sounds like a couple people did to you. Yeah. Like, okay. Well, what if, great. What if yeah. this happened? Well, then what, what would you do? And yeah, you realize that it's not as bad as you are making it out to be most likely, right? Every yeah. situation is different, but. Two um, other things that you just brought up that you made me think of. One is writing it down. I had written something 10 years before that in a program and I found that letter that I had written and almost everything had come true in that letter, except I hadn't started my own company. And I remember looking at that letter and going, oh my God, all these things are true, but I haven't done this yet. And it was hidden in a, they told us, put it here and you'll find it in 10 years. And like exactly what they said would happen, happened. And so you just reminded me that, oh my God, you know, I had written. So writing things down is super powerful, right? Whether you put it away for 10 years or you just write it down to sort it out, you know, that's another good strategy for thinking. Okay. Now I want to know what that was. Like if I were, if you, if, how would you guide me to do that 10 year exercise? It's a letter that you write about who you are 10 years from now. And you basically write like, okay, I am in 10 years. This is who I am. And you write everything about what you are, what you stand for in your 10 year person. And it was amazing. And I was like, oh my God, you know, except I had started the company. I don't know if it was actually 10 years, but I was like, and then lo and behold, you know, so yeah, Yeah, you just reminded me of that one. Um, and then the second thing you reminded me of is we have a coaching life wheel at Achieving Night. And if anybody is interested in it, and they're all over, you can find them online, but I can't, I must have done it. I don't know. I don't know if I did it in the coaching program because I do have a coaching degree, whatever, you know, but I did the coaching life wheel of what's important and how well am I doing in those what's important. And Could I wasn't you, doing well. Walk, walk me through a little bit more about what that is. There's basically, it's a, it's a wheel. Think of like a pie with eight different parts in it. Mm -hmm. And then each part represents a part of your life. And then you go through and you rate yourself one, how important is this for me? And two, how well am I doing? And, you know, it might be your life wheel might be different than my life wheel, or we might have the same categories, but have different values in the life wheel. And you really start to look at, and I remember doing that exercise and going, oh man, you know, I really need to, I needed to focus on my family more. You know, I needed to do some things differently in that wheel. Love little exercises, especially ones that people can listen to and think about, okay, what's important to me and, and how am I doing in those? I think that's a very 
basic but powerful thing to be able to do. So we can we can link it in the we'll in, definitely in the, link it. I was going to try to find it, but we'll link it otherwise, and um, and we'll get it for everyone if they want to go through the exercise. So that second moment that mm-hmm. I said that I I kind of wanted to pull out of. So the first moment was verbalizing that hey I'm not your gal. The second yeah. moment was you said a, a, a mind, you had a shift in mindset that, Hey, I wait, I can start my mm-hmm. own company. Mm-hmm. I, I can do this. Mm-hmm. What, what gave you, like, what, where, why did you, why did that shift in How mindset did that happen? Shift? How did it happen? I mean, I think I had two great supporters, um, in addition to my family and our clients who were starting to work with us. Um, Bob O'Malley, who was, who I'm co-authoring the book and he's a, you know, I think five-time CEO. He used to run uh, GM at Tech Data back in the day. Bob helped co-found the GTDC. I mean, he has been around the channel and partnering a long time and he was working with us and he really believed in, you know, we're ahead of our time, but we need to instill this across the world and people. And so we shared this deeply common vision and mission um, and then Jessica Baker, who is our chief program officer and is just, you know, she's just strong and steady wins the race. And she is, and the three of us really just aligned and really, we've been already working and doing this, but we took it to a whole nother level. And I think they really encouraged and vice versa. And yeah, we just started to make magic together. So it was people. Yeah, it's people. Usually that's a common theme in my world. <laughs> it seems like in in both these cases, it was people. People and shared vision and, and clear vision. I think that was another part of it. And what's the vision for... So the company that Teresa founded is, is Achieve Unite, and that'll be in the intro and you'll hear that. But what is the vision of Achieve Unite? Achieve United is the partnering success company, and and we fundamentally believe, and data is increasingly showing that partnering is an imperative. It's an imperative at the corporate level for B two B, and it's an imperative for people. You know, and people have to learn how to trust and how to partner successfully, and how to lean into difficult conversations and navigate to keep those kinds of partnerships going. And you know, you and I talked before this about AI and the, the crazy amount of distrust that's getting created in our society right now. And that this is actually becoming more important, not less important. So the AI thing obviously triggers a, a lot for me because I'm part of my daily job is to think about analytics and, AI and everything. <laughs> and so I'm curious from your perspective, because I know you put a lot of thought and research into this, is what, like explain for everyone where this distrust comes from. So basically what is happening is we have this AI and I, I was going to read, do you know the Edelman trust barometer? Have mm-hmm. you ever heard of that? Okay. So um, I'll just read you. AI is transforming the world and yet there is this, inc- and yet it's leading to this trust crisis, right? Because we don't, we don't know what's real. We don't know what's proven. We don't know if it's real people, you know, and the Edelman trust barometer says, 34,000 people across 28 countries for two decades. In the past 20 years, we have seen a fracturing of trust, but it is emerging like freedom and security. It is that much of an imperative in our lives. 
And lately you're seeing this whole thing. You know what oxytocin is? It's this hormone that gets created in our bodies when we have higher level of relationships and higher trust levels and more connected. And that oxytocin is this really positive hormone that our bodies need. And yet we're going the opposite in a lot of these cases. And so, yeah, I think there's a lot going on right now about trust and this AI and trust, almost like, what would we call it? Dichotomy? Right. Just to lay out a little bit, some of the, where the trust issues come from, I think within AI is one example is you could, someone texted me a week ago, a picture of the Pope playing basketball, dunking, basically. The Pope is 80 plus years old, I believe not dunking basketball, but it looked as real as one could look playing basketball. And I obviously knew it was a joke. It was not real. However, you can apply that knowledge of, Hey, there's this, I saw this video of so-and-so I listened to this song. My wife was telling me recently that, uh, I think it was Drake maybe who they made an AI version of a Drake. They made up a, a song and it sounded just like Drake, but and everyone loved it. It got released. Everyone loved it, wow. and it wasn't actually Drake. Wow! And but it sounded just like him because it was AI generated. So AI wow. is generating music. AI is generating photos. AI is generating mm-hmm. videos. And you think about election season. You think about sports. Mm-hmm. You think about celebrities, whoever, and all all these way, means of through social media and the news and everything of things being able to just go viral there. I, I guarantee you, you're right. There is going to be this proliferation of distrust because the first thing you're now going to think when you see something is, is that real? Yep. And what does that do to you internally? If, if your yeah. instinct, if your default is distrust, yeah, then what happens? Right. Right. I, and I, and that, muscle, these trust muscles, this trust building DNA inside of companies is going to have to get stronger and across companies, right? We already knew partnering, you know, the the foundation of partnerships or trust, but inside of companies, it has to get stronger too. Yeah. And when you're talking about partnering, I mean, for those that are kind of out outside of maybe even just the corporate world, how would yeah. you define partnering? I know it's interesting because the tech industry is quite sophisticated in its partnering ecosystems and how it partners and what it does um, along with healthcare and, you know, finance. But it is the notion of I am going to grow an organization, a company by leveraging partnerships and achieving leverage and a ripple effect by having that be part of my go to market strategy. So a non-IT version of that would be like, maybe you see uh, a commercial that has, it's about McDonald's and Guardians of the Galaxy, something like that. that They're two completely different entities and they are partnering together. Now it's probably to save money on on advertising and there's- Star Wars, right? right. Those kinds of partnerships. Another one is I was teaching a class this morning because I still love to do that. And it was uh, the analogy that they used in the, was Harley Davidson and their dealers, their franchises, mm. you know, and their whole dealer network. And, and they've done an amazing job with their dealer network. And those are partnerships. And um, Chick-fil-A and their franchises, right? That's another, you know, example of partnerships. Insurance in their agents. Uh, you, you can kind of apply it. It's all over the world, right? Plumbing and their partners. 
Yep. And and Achieve Unite's vision, like you said earlier, was basically is you want this proliferation of partnering and this building of trust and uh, mm-hmm. that partnerships will, you know, enable growth faster, as you said earlier, you know, that one plus one plus one equals a hundred. And that's that's why you like opening those doors and doing those things right. is, is building right. out those partnerships. But with the AI front and the distrust, it sounds like that the counter to that may be partnering stronger, building more trust amongst yeah. know, different organizations to build that muscle back. Yep, I couldn't agree more. And it has to happen at the company level, at the executive team level, you know, and it has to happen at the individual level, right? Like everybody's got to get those skills in their own DNA for partnering. And the executive team has to drive that across their organization. Yeah. And by the way, I know we're you know about halfway into the podcast, but the uh, this this whole thing has been AI. This is not actually Teresa talking. It's just AI Teresa that's been <laughs> answering all these questions. I know, I know right? It's probably true. <laughs> I wonder what they what does ChatGPT say about Clay Davis? We'll have to. Look I know exactly. Uh, well, it would probably uh, use a, a profanity because of. Did you ever watch The Wire? Oh, yeah. So The Wire, there was a senator named Clay Davis. And when I would introduce myself to people who had watched The Wire, that was a very popular show for a long time, is they would use his catchphrase, Clay Davis' catchphrase, which is, she. (laughs) I did not know that. And I had never watched The Wire. So the first time a couple people did that, I'm like, what? What is happening? And And then I I finally understood that okay this guy's named clay davis he has a catchphrase that's a profanity that he says it in a funny funny way so anyways I, well, that I would that, that would be probably what chat gpt would say would I something around the senator clay davis on the wire you've got your company running your company i mean i want to talk a little bit more about on un, un, understand from you what that has been like you probably had a certain expectation as to what it was like to to run a company and now you've done it for seven or eight years how has it been different from your expectations? So one is I've made lots and lots of mistakes and I have them, I have scars on my back in different places for these different mistakes. So, you know, I can think about things that I could have done differently or should have done differently over the years. And, um, you know, you just have to learn from them and then hope help others not make the same mistakes. So I always offer that. If I can ever help you not make the same mistakes, let me know. What's um, one of them? You know, one of them is put everything in writing. Don't, don't go on verbals. So he told me that early on and that is very important. Um, two is about trust and that that's actually, you know, trust is really, really important and people doing things for the right reasons is really important. I learned that probably the hard way, but, but those are some of the things we did well over the years. Um, the other thing is it's hard. Like starting a business and growing a business is really, really hard. And you, you have to have the stamina, you know, to overcome. And I remember reading an article about an entrepreneur and it's like, you have to believe you can go over the mountain. You can go under the mountain. You can go to the right of the mountain. You can go to the left of the mountain, but you're going to get over You're going to get through that thing no matter what, you know? And I hundred percent have that in my DNA and believe that and live that way. But like, that's part of what's required for entrepreneurs. What else? What else? Ask me more questions and I'll tell you more. You made the move away from your corporate world because of the travel and what that's going to do with your family life. How has that been with all the hustle that you've had to have starting your own company, balancing, yeah. harmonizing your, your work life? 
I mean, it definitely, for a while, it was a lot easier because I did domestic travel and our clients were the big tech companies and still are the big tech companies with the network expanding. Um, and so I still get to work with them and do all of that on a day-to-day basis, but I didn't have to travel as much. And then the other thing is we architected this to be a virtual company. We modeled it after GitLab. We used Zoom before Zoom was ever popular and people built relationships that way. You know, this is 2016, 2017. Zoom didn't really become a thing as much until 2020 and COVID like it is now. And and I think that really helped us a lot. And it helped us be attractive to people who wanted to come work in our organization because of that. So so that's been a really good thing. Now I want to hit the fast forward button again. Okay. Because you made an awesome comment about what you wanted to do next and how there's it's very difficult for people to start their own company and it's extremely difficult for those who maybe don't have the same opportunities or network or experience or financial base, whatever that maybe you or others had when you started your company. And so tell me a little bit about more about like the vision that you have for the future for Teresa. Well, our vision is to really take Achieve Unite to a whole nother level. And we're, you know, well underway with that. I'm very, very proud of our team and the work that we're doing there. And you know, and then I've begun doing angel investing and working with, there's a fund called Golden Seeds and Loretta's organization actually works with women entrepreneurs and she, you become a member and you start to angel invest in women, women owned companies or, and I'm really incredibly impressed with the work that she's doing. Um, Rajiv is another angel fund who is all women, women investors and women owned companies. And I've invested in that with my friend Heather. And, you know, so I'm beginning to do those kinds of things, but I'd love to run a fund someday, lead, work with these folks, and then also help the individual companies with their strategies and execution, right? Because it's equally about both in, in the entrepreneurial world and placing the right bets and all of the things that have to come together in order to be successful. And so I'd love to be doing that kind of work with people. For those that don't know what angel investing is, how would you explain that? Angel investing is typically your first round of outside funding. Um, It's often done by individuals or groups um, or small funds. And yeah, it's awesome. And you can do it individually into companies or you can do it as part of a fund. Yeah. So essentially if, you know, I, Clay Davis wanted to start my own company and I needed a a million dollars to start my company and I didn't have anywhere to get it, I could go to an angel investing site or, you know, platform area and go find the Teresa's of the world that may be interested in investing in whatever I'm doing. And, uh, and obviously you're interested in investing today in women owned women that were starting their companies and, Mm -hmm. uh, and trying to, to provide some help there and, and your benefit or potential benefit is equity is some, probably some sort of equity in the company. Um, but also a lot of times in my experience is that you actually do get to help influence if they want to seek influence from their investors, they yeah. can offer board seats or other things to, to help shape some of that strategy that you talked about earlier. And, uh, and it sounds like that that's really where your passion is, is yeah. to help get them from that seed round, that first round to, right. you know, IPO or whatever their goal, whatever their goal or vision is and for their company. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And then the other thing I love um, and is really important to me is, you know, we have a number of leadership development programs 
and TV night. And we've had over a thousand people go through a couple of them that are pretty life-changing, you know, and they are, you know, I will, there's tons of testimonials on our site around people who's went through that program and it gave them the confidence they needed to do something different. It, you know, motivated them to go get that promotion. It, it made them have the courage to marry the person they wanted to, or, you know, whatever it was, that big thing, but it happened in our programs. And, you know, I really, really love that work. And I love seeing our, our instructors and facilitators guide people in that journey. And that is not always about business. It might be about business. It's not always about entrepreneurship, but it's about people's journeys and, and finding that thing. And, you know, I found my thing, but it's important that everyone finds their thing. Yeah. And I know you're passionate about this because literally the first time you and I had ever spoken to one another within about four minutes, we were able to unearth that this was your vision in the future mm -hmm. was that you wanted to help, help those that, that were, uh, you know, maybe don't have the means to, mm -hmm. to be able to start something, but maybe have that creative nature or that, that yeah. one idea that could change the world and being able yeah. to help facilitate that is, is just awesome. awesome. And it speaks to your passion and, and desire to want to do that. Oh my gosh. There's a young man. He's such a fine young man and he's the coach for, um, AJ's team and he's young and he's new in the tech industry. And, uh, you know, I'm just blown away at his potential and the fact that he's coaching 14 year olds in an AAU league, right. Tells you something about his character and his discipline and what he's doing and patience and patience, <laughs> right. And skills. And, you know, and so I've been working with him and helping him a bit and he's going to go through one of our leadership programs and, and he's on, he's going to do great. Like I can see it already. You know, I can see the path to where he's going to go. And I love being able to do that and to support people in their own journeys. So what That's needs really to happen good. for you to be able to start truly, you're doing, you're doing pieces and parts right now, but for you to truly fulfill that vision of yours to really be able to give back as much as you can, what needs to happen in order for that to be able to, to happen? I don't know. We might be, as we get achieved to the next level, maybe we'll put in a president and uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll see about how much I, you know, there's on the business and in the business. And, you know, we're today I'm probably on and in. So we'll, we'll see how that goes over the next few years. Yeah. But we've got an awesome team of people who are just so high caliber, so experienced. And so I have no doubt if that day comes that we've got the right people here. So this, you obviously have a, a vision for your future about what you want to do. And it seems like you've kind of always had that even yeah. dating back to your 10 year view of yourself. The, one of the little thing, I love the little things that people do every day or every week or every month to, to, to get to that vision. And because maybe you can't do it all day, every day, but you do little things. One yeah. of those little things, it sounds like, is you started to angel invest and get a feel for that and build your network mm -hmm. a little bit. What's another example of something that maybe you're doing, a habit that you've built or something that you're doing each day, week, month, whatever time frame we're looking at that is helping you get to achieve that vision? You know, I don't know if it helps, but I think this is really important and I didn't, I didn't always do it well. Um, I tell my kids it is a marathon, not a sprint. So every interaction that you have with people, every opportunity you have to make a difference, to create a positive experience, to do the right thing, do it, you know, take it. Don't leave a situation in a negative light. And 
you know, I, I can remember being an extreme and I didn't handle something well way back when. And 10 years later, we had conversations and we had to work through what happened 10 years before. And I had no idea that I didn't handle that well, but man, once I leaned in and understood it, I was like, Oh my God, you know, I could have done better there, you know? And, and I think that's a hard lesson of really making sure when you've got to do something really difficult and hard, that's going to be affect people's livelihoods or affect, like take great care in it, you know, and I do that now. And I, like if someone ever needs help in a job, like, of course I'll put 30 minutes and help you, you know, if, or they want to talk about their life or the, of course I will. And I just think you have to be deliberate to do that. And, and then when it gets hard, you have to be deliberate to work through it. Yeah. And, that, and those types of discussions, those hard ones, that's what builds the trust fastest. It does. When it you're vulnerable it, it and you have hard discussions and you realize that you're just two humans trying to figure it out with the best of your yeah. ability. That yeah. builds trust that lasts so much longer than yeah. any other thing. It really it's, does. But it's hard. It's very it's hard. It's really hard. And, and they don't teach that in school. You know, we, we will have a piece of that in our book. And that lesson and that muscle has to get built as part of trust building. You know, you have to learn how to do that and be very deliberate about it. And we probably should teach it in elementary schools and middle schools. Yeah. yeah, I there yeah. you could get me on a whole diatribe about what we need to be teaching in schools because there's a lot of life lessons, life skills that, yeah, I mean, even just financial skills, personal development skills that I would love to build a curriculum for. And yes, and, and I agree. Uh, Absolutely. There's, there's a lot there, but um, you've, you've mentioned books, and I, I like to ask this of people like yourself who I know love to read and everything, and you're an an author yourself. And I know you have a book coming out very soon that I want you to highlight. Um, but I'm curious if it's not this book that you have written, um, what is a book that you most often gift to people? Oh, that's a great question. Let me look. Um, I have a couple. One is I wrote the foreword for um, Cheryl, who has a book around emotional intelligence and the criticality of emotional intelligence and how it shapes leaders and this next generation of leaders. So I love that one. I definitely gift that one. Um, the other one is a man just sent me, someone connected me to him. He sent me his book and it's called the new world of entrepreneurship and it's excellent and it's in paperback and it's just, so tangible about what to do. I thought, oh my God, I wish I had this when I first started my company. So, so that's another good one. Um, I love good to great. I love crossing the chasm. You know, I'm an academic with a bunch of academic books behind me from my different master's degrees. So I love those. Um, and then the last one that I read in grad school at Georgetown is the one all about Abraham Lincoln, a uh, team of rivals team of rivals. It's really, really good about the world, about our presidents and about Abraham Lincoln. It's got a lot of life lessons in it as well. Mm, I hadn't heard that one. I, I need to, I need to check yeah. that one out. Awesome. Great recommendations. Now tell me about your book. Well, we are well underway with that and we're working with Forbes books and it is all about partnering and this next era of partnering and how we have to do it well at the individual level and at the company level. And it's basically the science of it. And so, yeah, we'll have more coming on that in the next few months. 
I love it. Well, whenever it's ready, I, I will love to link it. And um, 100%. Link, you've, you've mentioned a couple programs and different things uh, and whatever you'll allow the listeners to have access to or to look at or anything. I'll happily link all of that. You have, you'll have a lot of wonderful programs that you've built over the last eight years. And I've seen just snippets of them, but we'll make sure to, that, that people see Absolutely. that. And I believe you have a newsletter as well. We have a newsletter that you can sign up for. It actually comes out weekly. We do not spam. We do not sell on our newsletters. We have our Achieving Night classes, so leadership development classes, the PQI workshops, the Trust Muscle Building workshops. Um, those are online and public offered. Um, lots of good content and blogs if you really want to learn about channel and partnering and ebooks. You know, you can check those out. Or you can just contact any one of us and we'll chat with you and see if we can help you. This is what's really cool about having an hour conversation with someone because we went from hearing about the beginning of your life where you didn't have a lot, your your dad was work, worked really hard, worked his way up, was an immigrant, right? All the, all the way to now your vision is to be able to give back to those who are in that position that have goals that, that you know, give them that leg up, that jump start, And what an awesome journey. What a cool thing to, yeah. to full circle around. I just, I love that. Well, you um, unearthed some things. You were exactly right. You found some connections and some intersections that I didn't even know existed. So that was really fun. Thank you. Well, we're very grateful for your vulnerability, for sharing about your family, about your life, your journey. It's really cool. I have no doubt that someone was inspired to grow today. So Teresa, an honor to have you on. And we've built with yeah. Teresa Caragol today. Teresa, thanks for being on. Thank you for having me. I'm so impressed with how you do this. And we will definitely get you that coaching life wheel and make sure people can take a look at that. Excellent. Excellent. Awesome. Thanks so much, Teresa. All right. Thanks, Clay. Hey, listener, it's Clay. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Build with Clay podcast. I encourage you to subscribe wherever you listen so you can discover all the episodes and hear from others about their growth journey. If you know me at all, you know that I love feedback. So please rate the episode and provide your comments so I can grow and be better for you and our guests. For more content, you can find Build With Clay on Instagram at buildwithclay and head to claydavis.substack.com where you can sign up for a bi-weekly newsletter sent directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you're inspired to grow.